Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Houghton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. If you had told me back in June of 2019 when I started the podcast that I would have the absolute honor and privilege to be interviewing Jamie Heaslip, there is no way that I would have believed you. I recently took out a business loan through Flender, and it was an amazing process, actually. Um, highly, highly recommended if you are looking for a business loan. And I kind of got friendly with uh, the gentleman, Paul, that I was dealing with, and I happened to mention the the podcast, and he was able to put me in touch with Jamie, and, and Jamie was completely obliging to, to come on the show, and I was absolutely delighted. Uh, obviously, I knew all about him from his rugby career, but actually when I researched and, and did a bit of background into Jamie, it's what he's actually done since rugby, which is inspirational and, and, and so relatable as well, how he's managed to take his rugby career and transition himself into what he's actually done. So, you know, he is a pillar of success. And my gut feeling is that no matter what Jamie touches, will ultimately turn to gold. So without further ado, let's jump straight over to the interview. Mr. Jamie Heesop, thank you so much for being on the show today. I am absolutely delighted. Thanks for having me. No, it's uh, it's great. You know what? I I love meeting and connecting with people, obviously in person, ideally, but doing it like this and doing podcasts and doing webinars and, and everything that seems like the new normal for people right now, you're getting to reach way more people and, and getting quite used to this. So it, it, it's great, you know, um, connecting with people of all sorts of interests and backgrounds um, and strategies and everything. Um, so thanks for having me involved because I know you're uh, kind of touching a lot of those different uh, buckets. Yeah, 100%. And look, well, let's hope that this doesn't go on forever, obviously, and it doesn't become too much of a new norm. But uh, at the same time, look, we just have to go with the roll of the punches, so to speak, which, look, I'm sure in your rugby career, you've uh, you've had to do many a time as well. So, but look, before we get on to rugby, let's talk a little bit about what you've done. I mean, obviously, you retired in 2017. And I was amazed to read that you were the thousandth player for Ireland to be capped, which is which is obviously a, a nice round number. Um, but I mean, you know, you've obviously been busy since uh, you retired from rugby. So do you want to talk a little bit about about some of the stuff you've been up to? Yeah, well, you know, while playing, you know, you realize that, um, you know, what's scalable versus what's not scalable and, you know, what's finite. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you should, you know, your, your time is finite, which it is, and that you should put a value on it. And, and you can do that. But the only problem with doing that is that you can't scale it. But what you can scale is and what can provide kind of long term return or passive income whatever you want to call it are assets i suppose while playing this became like um you know a return on investment in terms of investing in yourself as a player trying to extend your career how do you do that what are the small things that you can do and then i tried to apply this i suppose to outside of rugby and very quickly i was like okay well you know like investing wise you know this is time you're probably going to be capital rich um you know or make your most kind of cash, I suppose, as opposed to, um, you know, other industries and started looking around and, and how I can create assets that provide revenue or, or grow uh, over the years with, with little, well, not a whole lot of input, I suppose, once you kind of set it up. So that was how I started out and, and how I planned anyway. And then from there we went, uh, yeah, you know, I just kind of got involved in different businesses along the way that I had an interest in. 
you know, as I say, I've written them all off until they either go bang or go bust, really. And so that's I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a realist in my planning and optimist in my in my uh, thinking. And uh, so far, you know, two of them have come good for me and that's great. Uh, but I'm still in the throes of trying to look at what trends um, to look at. Uh, before this, for example, I was deep in in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and looking at everything that's going on in there, you know, keeping an eye on that as I have done over the last few years. A lot of the stuff you've already mentioned is very similar to what the FIRE movement is all about, the financial independence movement is all about, which is taking your working capital and putting it into assets and allowing those assets to produce cash flow for you so that eventually you don't have to have to do the core work, which I guess in your case, you only, you know, you had a definitive deadline in your 30s somewhere where the most of us have at least knowing that we're pretty safe up to, you know, maybe 65. So in your case, it was highly concentrated, uh, which is actually what makes it really, really interesting from a financial point of view, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was. And and like, you, you I suppose you got to plan out where you want to go with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, what's your goal at the end of playing, you know, and, and different guys have different goals. Uh, one of mine was to be um, the, the home that I live in to be, you know, very manageable cost wise. Um, ideally, no debt on my primary residence. Um, so I'm kind of working towards that. Um, I didn't get there while playing because it all got cut short uh, a little bit quicker than I would have thought. Technically, the contract that the last contract I signed actually has me playing up until June of this year. So uh, as you can, so that's been two years of where I thought I was going to be playing. But anyway, it's it's this is the, the new landscape. But yeah, I also wanted to create those assets. And that's why I kind of got involved and set up two pubs, uh, invested in a, a sports analytical company, in a digital agency, essentially, in Love and Dublin, in the Love and Media group. And uh, Urban Vault is another one. Pointy is another one that I exited. Um, you know, so yeah, you're, you're hoping that, you take care of your, your main goal and then the extra cash, I suppose, that you have, you try and invest it or in either whatever index funds or in Davies or wherever, you know what I mean? Or, or in different assets like, like I just mentioned. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, have you always had that kind of, I mean, where did you learn this? I mean, a lot, a lot of people would go through their rugby career or, or any, any career and not even think about investing and saving and, you know, the entrepreneur sort of side of it. Was it something that you always had? Was it in your upbringing? I definitely didn't learn it from my family. You know, my dad is a retired brigadier general. So he's, you know, he's been paid by the state since he was 17, 18. Um, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So, um, you yeah, know, that was it, really. Um, I, I suppose I, I'm a big interest in the business of sport and uh, particularly in American sports. And I was a big fan of uh, Michael Jordan, what he did. And then obviously Kobe Bryant after that and LeBron James. And seeing how they dealt with themselves off the field, probably more so than on the field, because they're on such mega money, how they deal with it all, how they create this value and assets going forward. So you, you start seeing what they were doing, leveraging their brands, you know, in terms of uh, helping startups, helping companies um, get started, both from a financial kind of perspective and I suppose a PR kind of uh, brand play as well. So uh, looking at that, and I always knew as well from, I, I read quite a bit, and I suppose the thing that comes through is that, um, to create real uh, wealth, and now you can define wealth in all sorts of different ways, but let's say financial wealth, you need to own something, really, I think, as opposed to work for someone but not own 
that product essentially if if you follow me be an owner not a consumer jamie is the is a general saying i think so there's a great one i was reading recently is like how many people buy a thousand euro apple phone loads but how many people actually buy shares in apple (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yep this is it this is it look i'm pleased to say that i actually own shares in apple and i don't own apple phone so i'm I'm certainly (laughs) one of the exceptions but uh (laughs) That's, that's just uh, look and, and, and in fairness a lot of the listeners will be as well so Jamie this is great and to be fair a lot of the stuff that you're mentioning is going to resonate with the listeners so well so uh, look it's, it's wonderful to to hear this coming from yourself to be honest which is which is enlightening so um, look at I guess some of the stuff I'd like to kind of I guess get your thoughts on is with what's going on with the world right now so you know obviously with COVID-19 many people are struggling both mentally emotionally and financially and look, it's fair to say that we're hoping that this is going to be a one, once in a lifetime event. For many of us, myself included, we just don't know, like, this is such a load, you know, such such a load for so many of us. And uh, I mean, you look, you had the financial crisis of 2008, but life kind of went on, you know, but this has brought life to an instant halt. And for many people, you know, it's largely they're seeing it maybe as the end, you know, end to life as they know it, to business as they, as they know it and so forth. And I guess as a professional sportsman and somebody who played 95 tests for Ireland, you know, you, were, you played tests for the Lions and captain of the Irish rugby team for a while as well. You've dealt with this sort of pressure, you know, the highs and the lows on the sports field. And look, I think there's one thing to say, you know, oh, yeah, that's sport. It's not life and death. But me, even as a social sportsman, I play a little bit of hockey and a little bit of rugby tag. When you get on the field, it does feel like life and death sometimes, right? So it doesn't matter if it's club rugby or professional sports. For that 80 minutes, that's what it's going to be. And so I guess, I mean, is there anything that you can kind of take from your experience, the sort of the highs and lows of your rugby career, and to sort of, you know, give inspiration to people to how we could get through this current crisis? You know, I, I approach it in a couple of different ways. I, I, I suppose I book things right now, you know, in, in a very simple way, three kind of different buckets. You know, you've got your physical fitness, you've got your emotional fitness and you've got your financial fitness. And, you know, you work on all three of them and you address it in a very open, transparent and honest way. Don't stick your head in the sand. A lot of people stick their head in the sand and think it's going to be OK. Right. And that's the worst thing you can do. I think you need to address things straight on. So health is a, you know, an easy one. Now, your physical health and your emotional wellness, the lines get blurred when you talk about, let's say, mental health. And you can, you can put one in either bucket. But essentially, what I do is I, I kind of try and employ different routines because I find that, you know, you get a routine, you get a habit that gives you comfort, you tick boxes and, and the day moves, moves along for you. And before you know it, you know, you've, you've got your little bit of training in, you've got your meditation in, you know, you've got your journaling, you set out some tasks, you accomplish them, you know, you tick a lot of boxes from a kind of a psychological level as well as a physical level. And you got to remember, you can't separate them, the body and the mind. It's all the one. Um, as well you know we are the one ecosystem essentially and then obviously uh, you know we, we talked about your financial fitness as well and addressing those kind of different things and I suppose from what I take from rugby when I look at that is two things and I had, I had uh, lots of amazing coaches but two of the philosophies stand out one is Joe Schmitz which is control the controllables and that's very much okay what's the process in place and um, what can you control what can you um put in place you know your daily habits because you're the sum of your 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 habits essentially and then you know and also with, with the end goal of you know you kind of I suppose picture the person you want to be I suppose or the outcome that you want and kind of work back from there in terms of daily habits that can that can get to that you don't have to 
change overnight, but you know, small changes every day or, or small kind of tweaks to your routine. That will kind of get good processes in place. But then the outcome that we were talking about, I kind of draw on Stuart Lancaster's philosophy, uh, which is kind of comfortable in chaos. You know, and right now we don't know what the end is going to be like, but you know, we or we don't know what the what the new normal will be like. But it's getting comfortable with that. It's doing what you can. It's trying to set up some sort of system within that regardless and trying to stick to it. Now you can always adapt, you can always tweak it, but um, having some sort of system in place and and almost kind of going with the flow and, and, and reacting to what pops up in front of you. I know that's a bit wishy-washy, I suppose, but that's kind of what I, I, I fall back on. And in, in terms of what you said, it like this is very different to 2008 financial um, crash, obviously, but from what you know, you look back at what Bill Bill Gates calling this in 2015, you know what I mean? And a lot of science behind it that something like this will probably happen again in some shape or fashion. You like to think that we'll learn from it, but we're not very good at, at preparing for crisis, if you know what I mean. And hopefully this will be a bit of a shake up in that regard. And, and some of the stuff that you mentioned there, Jamie, particularly about the visualization, you know, you kind of talked about the fact that you, you kind of, it sounds like anyway, that, that you saw, you know, you know where you want to go. And so now it's just a matter of getting your routine set so that you can actually find that kind of, that vision, you know? Yeah. And you got to get into, you, you know, I'm not saying what works for me. Like, you know, I get up at half six, I kind of do a bit of movement stuff for about, you know, 10, 15 minutes, meditate for 10 minutes you know, make sure I drink half a liter to 750 mils of, of water. And then I kind of have my coffee and I start my day and, you know, I have an hour in the morning with my daughter and then I do 20 minutes cardio and, and sh- cold shower. And then I'm into my day, which I've already planned from the evening before, you know, so, you know, I kind of get through a to-do list uh, first thing in the morning. Then I have some kind of almost thinking kind of research time. And then, um, you know, a bit of, you know, calls and pick up in the afternoon and then a bit of training. And then by, you know, I'm wrapping up things at five o'clock and by six o'clock, I'm back with the fam, you know, and, and hanging out with them for the rest of the evening. So it kind of passes the day and, and, and it lets you tick a lot of different boxes. Um, but what works for me doesn't necessarily work for everyone. But I think it's like saying, oh, the right time to be, you know, to be saving was 30 years ago. Well, you know, when you show someone a pension or something like that, but like, all right, well, the next best time to, to start is now. There's, there's no point looking back and going, oh, I wish I'd done this, that, and the other, or blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, and and going, okay, I want to be, you know, there, and where, where you want to be in a year's time, five years time, 10 years time. And the best time to start is now. You know, this is an, an amazing routine, Jamie, that you've got for yourself. And, you know, obviously you've got high work ethic there, how much of this do you think is self-taught? How much of this is taught from your experiences as, as a rugby player? Let's go back. Look, as you know, I'm originally from New Zealand. So look, I am an All Black supporter. I am also an Irish supporter. I will make that clear. But let's go back to 2016, you know, beating the All Blacks in Chicago. You know, was that something that you that you could see yourself doing? I know, I know you played the All Blacks a lot of times beforehand. Is that something that you sort of were able to prepare yourself? Could you see yourself beating the All Blacks? Or was it just a, a case where on the day everything clicked? Or what was kind of, you know, your sort of motivation going into it? You know what it's kind of like, now that you say it like that, I, I was like, yeah, yeah, we've all read about the four-minute mile, you know, and how it for years and years and years and years and years, they couldn't break it. Then one guy broke it. And like pretty quickly, loads of people broke it after him. You know what I mean? And I think with Ireland versus New Zealand, it was like lots of people obviously wanted to beat them. Lots of people kind of 
saw them beating them, but they didn't work back from there of how to do that as well as maybe as as well as um we did under Joe Schmidt. But then you got to argue, well, Declan Kidney takes a lot of credit there because he organized it that we were going up against New Zealand a lot uh, over the years leading into that. So um, that, you know, kind of to measure where we're at and then learn from it and then move forward. And every time we got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And, and, and eventually we were able to beat them. So uh, in terms of your previous question, like, is it this approach um, self-taught or is it, you know, picked up somewhere like, my, my dad always said to me throughout the years, you know, talent is nothing without discipline. So in terms of rugby, you know, I was lucky. I went up through the different age grades, but everyone was good. You know what I mean? Everyone was good, particularly when you went pro. It was the ones that were disciplined in their approach. And that kind of has been told it and then living it and then learning it. You know, it's just ingrained in me now. But, uh, uh, you know, it's what I, I when everyone asks me for a piece of advice, I say that's the one advice piece of advice I give them to it you know and you could always argue well you know hard work kind of beats talent as well a lot of the times and you got to be willing to put in the work because it's easy as well to like i could teach you how to pass a rugby ball teach you how to tackle and could sit down with a game and analyze with you and and teach you the kind of the way of the game but until you put the work in and you do the reps you're never going to be as good as a pro do you know what i mean And, and i think that's you got to be willing to put the work in 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 whatever it is that, that that you're kind of looking at for me, Jamie, the big thing was how you managed to pick yourself up. Like, you'd, you'd have a loss. You obviously learned something from that every time. And, I mean, I know 2012, you came close in the second test down in, in New Zealand. 2013, obviously, absolute heartbreak for the Irish um, in Aviva Stadium uh, when the All Blacks scored a try at the, at the very, what, 83rd minute. But you obviously, you know, on paper, though, you could say, right, we failed, we failed, we failed, we failed. But you've obviously learned something each and every time as a team to then go, right, how can we do this differently next time? And the point that I'm trying to make here, by the way, you, you've eventually got success from the failures that you've had. It's almost like you've found something every time you failed to eventually get to success. And so, I mean, is, am, am I talking nonsense or is, is there some truth in that, do you think? There's a lot of truth in that. I think um, I always think that people are people very quick to not look at the reasons why they won a game, though, or, or very quickly, uh, very quick to pass over a game that they win and not analyze it and look at the flaws in the game. So I, I, I never sits comfortably with me when we say, oh, we learn more from losing than we do winning. That's not necessarily true because sometimes when you lose as well, people are pointing fingers and they're looking for a reason that they lost. You know what I mean? And sometimes, sometimes there's no reason. Sometimes it's just, you know, that's why I say, you know, you kind of get comfortable with not necessarily controlling the outcome because you can play an amazing game of rugby, but like New Zealand, bounce the ball at the end of it. You know what I mean? Or now, mind you, they came back in the second half and they deserved to win it actually in the second half when you analyze it. But, you know, but there's lots of games that I've played in where we didn't deserve to win, but we won. Or the other way where we we did deserve to win, but we lost. And sometimes you just can't control the outcome. But however, if you stay consistent in your approach, in how you, you look at things, your system, you constantly have feedback loops as well to, to, to check in on a, your process or what the outcome was like, what you learned from it, regardless of if it's a good or bad one. I think you'll be, you'll consistently get better. And I love that. I love the Ernest Hemingway phrase, which is gradually, then suddenly. Everyone thinks overnight, you know, you're a success, but it's never that case, really. Like in the majority of cases, it's people who have been plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. 100%. You know, if we talk about success for a little bit, 
And uh, look, I know it's exactly as you said. I mean, you know, you, you may not realize it, but um, I mean, I had one look at your bio, Jamie, and, you know, given that you're the same age as me, you've probably achieved more in a 20-year career than most people would in an entire lifetime. Um, you know, so obviously you're a high, high achiever. Um, it sounds like that you're one of these guys that can set goals and finds a way to achieve them, which is amazing. You know, and uh, you've kind of talked about how you have the processes of doing this, which is, I think, amazing. You know, you've actually taken, by the sounds of it, you'd have yeah, big goals and you sort of break it down into, right, how are we going to get there? And you, I guess you put, you put yourself a bit of a roadmap to get there. Um, well, it's like a season, isn't it? Like every team sits down at the start of, let's say, Europe and goes, we want to win the European Cup. And it's like, right, how do you do that? And then, well, OK, you've got to win the final okay how do you get to the final you got to get to the semi-final how do you get semi-final quarter-final how do you get there you got to get out of your group okay where does that start first game of the season and you know so most goals you can put something tangible on it and break it down it doesn't always happen i'm not going to say like everything i've done has been a success um quite the contrary but i've seen that when i do have success that's how it happens that's what I'm trying to uh, apply and figure out um, in this uh, new world that I'm in now in terms of, you know, non-professional rugby and, and, and transitioning out as, a, as a, a former player. Naturally, you're obviously taking a lot of goodwill in terms of yourself and your branding and, you know, what, you, what you've done and the fact that you're, you know, so well known and you've inspired so many people uh, over the years. Um, you know, obviously, that's a great asset to bring, to bring with you. So, look, let's, let's talk about Flender a little bit. Uh, as some of the listeners may be aware, I actually borrowed last week from from Flender and uh, yeah, or at least one of my companies did. And the process was, was amazing, right? So we actually raised the funds in less than two hours. One investor actually, I found out that he invested 10K in, in my business, which, you know, was an extremely satisfying vote of confidence uh, from that particular person. And, you know, I was absolutely delighted to, to hear that. And, you know, it's actually great to see when you're dealing with Flender that you can actually see the, the funds being raised and, and, you know, get that vote of confidence from investors. But I mean, I guess from yourself, Jamie, I mean, I guess we'd love to know more about the role that you've actually got and, and why Flender, I guess. And I guess what the future looks like for Flender. Well, I mean, why Flender um, firstly was the first pub that I was involved in buying was uh, at the time it was called Bellamy's. It's now called the Bridge 1859. And we bought it. And there used to be a restaurant beside it called Bella Cuba. And between the jigs and the reels anyway, um, we had an opportunity to buy Bella Cuba and we did. And we were very, very lucky that we were able to buy it outright um, from the proceeds of, of the pub. So we bought that anyway, but then we obviously didn't have a lot of money to uh, renovate it and do it up and, and, and fit it in. So we went to the bank and um, the process was arduous to say the least. And so much so that you know, the whole thing nearly fell through. So, but like, it, it just took so long, which is, which is ironic because the bank we were dealing with were the bank that had the mortgage on, you know, had to, had to, had the, the mortgage on the freehold. They knew our business. You know, they were the bank that we did all our, our, our business banking with as well. Um, but it was still took a, a long, 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 long time. Um, so afterwards, anyway, I was like, okay, well, there has to be an alternative to this. And as I, I dived into SME lending, SME lending in general or lending in general in the broader scope has has been transformed uh, from 10 years ago. There's asset back financing. There is um, invoice financing. There is kind of working capital financing, term loan financing. You know, all these different fintech, uh, neo banks, uh, non-pillar banks, alternative lenders, whatever you want to use have popped up and are transforming that, that industry. So much so that the IFPI, 
which the Irish, um, sorry, the independent fintech uh, providers of our, our finance providers of Ireland, we reckon like that's all, that's about 20 different fintechs uh, in that space. And we reckon, you know, talking to each other, there's about a billion euro worth of SME lending done through, through them, right? SME lending in Ireland is about 3.6 billion. So that's nearly 30%. You know, it's 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 a sizable chunk of of SME lending done, and, and it's changing. And I think if you look at the other trends in terms of what Revolut, Monzo, N26 are doing to kind of consumer uh, banking, the landscape is changing and changing very fast. So, and back to my point is what when I looked at the landscape, started diving in on it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a space where we should really look at. I touched base with Flender and kind of things kicked off from there. So I invested in them in in 2017 and. You know, kind of came on board as an ambassador, and then obviously when I finished playing rugby, I like I do with all the different companies I'm investing. In, I got a little bit more involved, and and um, I kind of dip in and dip out of places. So I spend a lot of I, I kind of go at one place for a quarter or two quarters, spend a good bit of time with them, uh, pull back for a little while, and and see how things go with them, and then kind of come back in. So right now I'm spending a bit of time at Flender, but it's a great product because um, you know you've got two types of lending: institutional lending and retail lending uh, institutional lending right now is you know is kind of from uh, private equity essentially and um right now they've all ran for the hills you know what i mean because they're stockpiling their money but the re what's been really interesting and what we're seeing is the retail lending activity has increased and i think you're seeing a lot of people are you know they're kind of going okay where can we you know if we put our money on the positive bank you're not going to get anything for it however if we put our money on the platform here we can get on average 10 percent with a default rate of 1.1 percent it's like i like those odds and also you're helping Irish SMEs. So, and you go through the same credit checks um, that we will, we will use anyway. So it's kind of a win-win for everyone. And, and it's been really interesting to be at the kind of that, that nexus point of the borrowers and the lenders and seeing what the trends are and seeing where this space will probably go uh, when we come out of the other side of this. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And look, I mean, I was, like I said, I was blown away by the process. It was, it was really, really, you know, the guy that I was dealing with, Paul, was just amazing. You know, it was first time I've actually asked for money where the guy actually at the end of the phone feels like my friend. He's not actually looking for a reason to, you know, not give me the money. But this is the thing, though, uh, Michael, that banks aren't set up to do things quickly. They're, they're not. And even like all of a sudden they're all able to work from home, but it was taking years for them to work from home. So, Unless they're pushed, do they change what they're doing? And, and even right now, for example, I mean, they're faster than they were, but they're still not as fast as any of the fintech companies out there. And for an SME company that, that I'm not saying that everyone needs, to, needs a loan, but like the ones that do or are looking for one, time is of the essence for SMEs. You know, Ismay came out with a study from the Q4 Insights that it was taking six to eight weeks for a bank just to come back with an answer of yes or no. And then another two weeks to withdraw, withdraw down. You know what I mean? We can get it all done. You had the experience. It's it's pretty bloody fast. And the point that Flender has is that they're asking for copies of bank statements, tax returns that you've already got. Whereas if you go even say something like the microfinance loan, which is through Enterprise Ireland, they're asking for cash flow projections for the next two years. I don't know what, that, what that's going to be, but I can tell you how well my company's done for the last seven or eight years. Do you know what I mean? And, I, you know, and this... Yeah, the, and the frustration from from our business side uh, point of view is that so you have all these um, 
you know, the, the, the COVID-19 fund sent up, set up by the central bank to try and get funds into the SMEs through uh, pillar banks. But the thing is, you might get the SBCI giving you the green light, but you still have to go through the bank's process. So if it's Microfinance Ireland or if it's, you know, one of the pillar banks, you still have to go through their process. And they probably say no, depending on the business that you're in. You know, while we're looking at your business, you know, we get you, you've gone through, we go into your business. What is your business? What's the cash flow? Are you affected by this? That, you know what I mean? And we really look at, at the individual and what we're kind of saying, we're kind of lobbying them under the IFPI to try and get access to this COVID-19 fund. Cause we're kind of saying, look, everyone has to play their role. The banks have, pillar banks have to play their role. And, and we can play a vital role in this as well by using our technology to deploy this as fast as we can, a lot faster than the pillar banks. Um, you know, and get that money that you want into the SMEs. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%, Jamie. Uh, I'm curious about, uh, this is more of a question for you, Michael, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about your, when you look at the marketplace now, because obviously you, this podcast talks a lot about investing as well. Um, where do you see the opportunity in terms of investment? Is it, is it things like Flender? Is it things like the stock market? Is it index funds? Is it gold? Is it Bitcoin? You know, what, what are you, what are you seeing and what are you, what are you, what are you investing in? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit like yourself, Jamie, in that sense that when you told that story about how you, you bought the premises next to the pub, that was clearly a case of the opportunity knocked and you took it. And so I'm a big believer in looking for opportunities. And for me, like there's been a massive shakeup now, right? So, you know, three months ago, the share market wasn't looking so good because it was kind of looking a little bit kind of high. Now, if you've been sitting on the sidelines, the share market is great. So I actually threw some money in the share market in mid-March. My financial advisor said to me, hmm, I don't know about this. You know, he kind of looked at me funny and it was actually difficult through my pension that I, that I bought and it was actually quite difficult to, uh, to get the order in because everybody was selling. And uh, he reached out to me a week ago and said, geez, you do well doing that. So I kind of, I like to try and take the opposite approach of what the norm is doing. Um, but also I think for Flender uh, and, and the, the other Irish P2P networks, this is a, the, what's going on right now is fantastic because trust is becoming a massive thing. And we're seeing in Eastern Europe now a lot of the peer-to-peer -peer lending platforms are coming out as scams. A lot of them are going, a lot, lot of them are going bust. Uh, I've been caught up in a few of them myself, so it's fairly de devastating from that point of view. But we're suddenly seeing, right, in Ireland, we've got a country where you know there's very little corruption. We've got a great police force. You know, you're not going to get away with the scams that you're going to get away with in Eastern Europe. And then you've got a great product, you know what I mean? And, and you're supporting Irish businesses. So yeah, hundred percent, you know, the, the Irish peer to peer lending networks, um, I'm actually starting to look more closer to home myself personally, um, looking into property now, uh, I've got, I'm actually planting 12,000 native trees in, uh, in autumn. I bought some, some land that I'm going to plant some native woodland on. Um, so it's one of the investments that I'm carrying on. And again, you know, this whole COVID thing has kind of made me look at the bigger picture. That we shouldn't just be, you know, what are we actually investing in that's going to make a difference, that's going to make society better, and is actually going to have a lasting impact for our children? You know, so it's, it's some of these bigger questions that I think have come out from this whole thing, which is going to have a positive impact in the long run. It's interesting to see how it's, how it's going to go. If you think it's going to get back to normal, I think, I think it's for, a lot of things are forever changed. And, and trying to see what the opportunity is around it. But like some of the brands, let's say, that are on the stock market that have had their share price halved, you have to think there's opportunity there going forward. Um, and you're right, the, the, it seemed like the market was very frothy um, and it's taken a bit of a correction. But it's it's interesting to hear your take on it. And when you, I, I'm also curious, when you refer to home, do you refer to New Zealand or Ireland? 
Oh, where my family is, mate. Where my family is. It's probably probably the easiest <laughs> way to say it. But no, it's a, it's a curious one. Home home is now Ireland, except when the All Blacks are playing. I'd I'd probably uh, put it that way. So uh, I never thought I'd say that to Jamie Heaslip, but there you go. Um, but yeah, look, it's 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 one of those crazy things. But um, yeah, it, look, I think I think when you've been somewhere long enough, like the Irish have been a, a incredibly welcoming to me in, t- in a community sense. Um, I've set up a few hockey clubs here as well and other things in the community, and it's just been amazing to see the response from people you know so it's um yeah i look ireland is probably home now from that point of view anyway oh that's 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 good to hear um you know it's good to hear that the people come because so many people have from ireland have left i think it's like 70 million people claim irish heritage you know uh, around the world globally so uh to to hear that you've had a good experience um here and you and you call it home now that's that's uh that's great to hear from from uh, an irish perspective it's one of the like i said to you before that i often would do things in opposites i moved to ireland in 2011 and uh, i'd go down to the limerick garda immigration office you'd walk in and you'd be the only one in there you know and you kind of you kind of rock up and uh, you'd sit down and they kind of look at you like what brought you here and i sort of say oh it's the weather you know and they sort of laugh at you but um you know it's it's amazing how things work out and um you know in the end it's been fantastic we were able to buy a house right in the heart of the recession and from that point of view exactly as you said earlier jamie you know we've managed to reduce our mortgage right down which which certainly makes a massive difference in terms of being able to do some of this stuff and having the capital to actually put into you know some investments and projects and, and things like that and do you have a, a a top tips of of where to go next or what to, what to invest in next or opportunities to look at no because i'm actually a terrible investor i would i, I would be honest <laughs> to say that i am a terrible terrible investor uh i think I, for me it's positive mental attitude no matter what happens no matter what your situation is if you can find something positive from that and take learning from it then you're always going to make it. And the book I'm reading at the moment uh, is by a gentleman called Napoleon Hill. It's called Think and Grow Rich. He was tasked with the uh, with a project of interviewing 500 entrepreneurs in America back in the 1920s. He was never paid for it. He worked for Roosevelt, uh, the president of the United States, took one, one US dollar a year. He died wealthier than you know, most of us could ever dream of and has continued to make money from his books to this day. And he did that knowing that he was never actually taking a paycheck, you know. So it was a complete different way to to look at wealth and, and how to generate wealth. But he was able to do that. And he, he swears by positive mental attitude and a desire for success, a burning desire for success. Good, good. And and do you, do you ever see uh, commonalities in the different people that you, you interview in terms of, I suppose, industries they look at? Or you said you're buying land to put uh, and you're putting trees on it you know what what turns you to that for example you know are you seeing common traits of industry sectors things people are doing like over over the time i think it's it's a power to make a difference jamie do you know what i mean like like for me like if i can set up a hockey club and get 200 kids playing hockey that weren't going to do that previously and i can do that and be the one person to make that change why shouldn't i if I can see that 98% of Ireland's woodlands were cut down the last three or 400 years and that they're planting Sitka spruce, which is a non-native tree, and it's not doing anything for, for the environment, why shouldn't I be the guy that actually takes my money and plants native woodland to actually try to make a difference? You know, so it's, it's about sort of saying, right, you're on this earth for one life. You know, you've got one opportunity to kind of make a difference in this world. What are you going to do with your time? It's exactly what you talked about earlier. What are you going to do with that time? Because that is finite. 
you know? So that's how I kind of see it. Do I want to be the sort of guy that just goes to work, do my nine to five, never make a difference to this world, you know, and hope people turn up to my funeral one day? Or do I actually want to change the world as best I can while I'm here? It's interesting because I, I thought you were going the sustainability route because uh, of of the, the, the carbon credits that you can you can sell to people essentially through planting trees. But maybe that's maybe that's another conversation. Well, you know what? Do you play do you play poker, Jamie, at all? I've, I have played it. Okay, so when when you play poker, if you're sometimes I'm I'm a I don't want to give this too much away to my playing partners if they're listening, but I'm one of these guys that likes to chase the chase the river, right? So if I'm sitting on a couple of pair of cards, which I know that there's a few outs, there's a few ways that I could win the hand. That's how I see myself as an investor. So when it comes to planting native woodland, right? There's a few outs for me. One of them could be carbon credits. Now this, yeah, it's not 100% sure if that's going to be a, a possibility because with the Kyoto Agreement, this is kind of double counting problem. Um, but then there's the government grants that you get. Then there's value of the land. Then there's what could that forest be in 30 years when I can kind of, maybe I could charge a membership to go and view it. There's a whole lot of things around a lot of wealthy people are buying these forests because it's a way to avoid inheritance tax. So there's all sorts of outs and I don't know all of the answers yet. But I know that I'm, I'm putting myself in a deal with very little downside and lots of upside. And for me, that's about how you could have create more opportunity from that. Well, look, Michael, it sounds like I can learn a lot more off you than anything. So, um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue this conversation long after this podcast and offline in, in the world. But yeah, I, I think what you're doing there essentially, though, is, is you're creating an asset, you know what I mean? And as opposed to whatever buying whatever the latest thing is or or even buying more property you know what i mean like you uh, essentially by by all accounts what you have your portfolio is quite um diversified and i think now more than ever it's important to have that diversified approach and not be all in on one thing um because if that one thing goes you know you can you can be in trouble which a lot of people are right now yeah, but I look. I, I suspect Jamie that you're the sort of guy who it wouldn't matter what situation you're in. You're going to find <laughs> a way to the top, regardless. You know what I mean? And you know, sometimes being thrown in the deep end. But I mean, for example, you own two pubs right now, right? I mean, yeah. they're not doing great. You know, no, so that's something doors, you've had to, doors are closed. You know, Seventy people let off, and it's not great. However, you know, we're always we're lucky that we we you know we're going to be able to, to kind of ride this one out for 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 a little while. But and then you know, but the, the unfortunate thing is, is that you know, what is it, four or five, 5,000 pubs in Ireland? Um, I can't see 5,000 pubs opening up after this. Um, same with restaurants. But, you know, that for the, you know, the owner right now who can't, who might have to close up shop, you know, it will be another man's kind of opportunity. Yep, which, which is, it's an unfortunate truth, but that's how it is. It's exactly what you said earlier about kind of embracing the chaos, right? And so this is, you know, for many of us and for many of the listeners out there, who maybe have been sitting on the sidelines, there are going to be opportunities out there. And I think that that's um, yeah, something which is, which is quite exciting. So look, Jamie, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. I, I feel like we could, we could talk forever, but uh, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, look, I know that you've got uh, a fairly active Twitter and Instagram account. So if it's okay, I'll, I'll share those links in, in the show notes. So if you guys do want to reach out to Jamie, then by all means do. Um, but look, other than that, Jamie, just keep up the amazing the amazing work that you're doing, and you know I'm I'm so excited to to follow your success. And look, once this is over, I would I'm gonna put it out there now. I would be more than happy to meet up for a drink. That would be uh, amazing, and the first round would certainly be on me. Well, it, lo it looks like I'll be chasing your tail uh, in terms of um, 
your strategy and your and your insight. But yes, we will definitely when the doors are open and I can pour you a pint in my pub, I will pour you a pint. Ah, sounds sounds amazing. Thanks, Jamie. No problem. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're a big fan of the show, why not become an Irish Fire Podcast member for free? Members receive access to inside information that isn't shared on the podcast, as well as regular updates such as a monthly newsletter. To become a member, visit www.firepodcast.ie.